In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The struggle of contemporary life is the struggle for meaning. Does it matter what I do? Does it matter what somebody else does? To the point, does anything really matter? The French philosopher thought that uh, Albert Camus, that is, not just the French philosopher. (laughs) Thank you, Joseph. (laughs) Do you know what he thought was the philosophical problem? Does anyone know? Suicide. Why would that be the philosophical problem for Camus? Suicide. Why? Tyler, you suggested it. Yeah. Why not? Why not? If nothing matters, why not? Nothingness. Nihilism. The belief that time itself is oppressive. That suffering and pain are meaningless. This is not just the struggle of contemporary life. It seems it's the default setting. Time is without meaning. What I do is without meaning. Others have no meaning. Today is the Sunday of the Last Judgment, where the church puts before us the end of all things. What is the end of all things? But what we mention in one of our petitions the end of all things, the dread judgment seat of Christ. You maybe have asked yourself, why do we refer to the throne of Christ as something to be dreaded? Is it something to be dreaded? What does the throne of Christ mean for us? What does it mean, the last things or the end of all things? The Apostle Paul talks about the end of all things, and he refers to it as the time when God will be all and in all. The eschaton, the end of all things, the dread judgment seat of Christ, it is the presence of God, the full presence of God where everything is exposed to God. There's no whale uh, to swallow us up and take us away. There's no ship to take us away. There's no running away. God will be all and in all. Is there anything more intimate? (laughs) Good timing. God's presence will be experienced in all of its fullness. Good one. 
We will stand before him, stark naked. Everything will be exposed. He won't let go, it's fine. (laughs) This was not planned. (laughs) All things will be exposed. Just as when a child can see, I think, all things with a parent. They know everything. So our parent, our Father in heaven, knows all things and will be completely bare before him. Everything we have done will be judged. What is it exactly that exposes us? What is it that strips us bare, that has us standing before Christ and before his dread judgment seat? What is dreaded? It's not what you might think it is. It's not fear of judgment itself outside of when you are in the presence of undefiled, pure, and awesome love. A love that burns all impurities. A love that pursues us even to death. For it is the love of Christ that judges us, unarms us, exposes us. It is the love of Christ that gives everything meaning. The dread judgment seat of Christ. It's how we understand that everything we do has infinite cosmic depth and importance. The philosophical problem is not suicide. It is the love of Christ. What we do means something. What we think matters. What we love is absolutely essential. It is obvious that nihilism, the loss of meaning, is a temptation to ultimate despair. And it nips at all of our heels. But it's also the judgment seat of Christ. The infinite and cosmic nature of our life. Everything that we do has the weight of eternity attached to it. This can also throw us into despair. How can we ever bear that weight? How can we stand before this kind of love with all that we have done? How can I love as Christ loves? The church gives us ways to practice for this last judgment. In fact, what do we, in a few moments, we're going to remember the second coming, the last judgment, but we're going to be remembering it in a different context. In the anaphora, after we have remembered the night in which our Lord was betrayed, we've pointed to the bread and to the wine, the cup. We then say this prayer, remembering this saving commandment and all those things which have come to pass for us. 
the cross, the tomb, the resurrection, the third day, the ascension into heaven, the sitting at the right hand of God the Father, the second and glorious coming. We remember all the things that have happened for us, and then we remember the second coming, the second and glorious coming. Every Sunday is a second coming. Not the second coming, but what is Holy Communion? What is the Eucharist? Is it not when God comes literally into our bodies? It's a foretaste of when God will be all and in all. The church does not put out uh, a meeting date with uh, calendar reminders uh, saying, you know, the end time is coming once a year. Uh, remember that there is an end coming. We actually have it every Sunday. This is the Lord coming. This is Christ in our midst. This is Christ giving himself his broken body, his spilt blood for us and for our salvation and for the entire world. As soon as we say this, what happens? What do we lift up? Our hearts. Our hearts. Yes, we do lift up our hearts, the anaphora. We lift up the discos and the patent, the bread and the wine, and we say, offering unto thee thine own of thine own on behalf of all and for all. The church allows us to practice the second coming every Sunday, every time that we celebrate the Eucharist. That is, if we allow ourselves to be exposed to what the Eucharist is, exposing ourselves fully to his cleansing love, preparing ourselves bit by bit, throwing off all the things that overwhelm us, shackle us, so that we can experience and stand fully in his perfect and cleansing love. We offer Christ's offering, not just on our behalf, but for all. The gospel reading today makes it very clear what the judgment is. Seeing Christ and the hungry. Not just seeing them, but feeding them. Seeing Christ and the thirsty. Not just seeing them, but giving them something to drink. Seeing Christ in a stranger. Again, not just seeing, but taking in. The naked and clothing them. The sick, the imprisoned, visiting them. This is Christ incarnate, the works of mercy. We see Christ incarnate in our brother and sister. And in a sense, we get to practice for the second coming because every single one of us as an image of God are an image of what the second coming and the judgment, the dread judgment seat is about. This doesn't cause anxiety. It causes an opportunity for repentance for love, for vulnerability, for exposure 
to the love that's going to melt and burn away things. I'm sure everyone here has been burnt, physically and otherwise. But this burning is not something that needs a band-aid or that we might need to find some boundaries. This is a burning that is absolutely necessary. We find it every Sunday in the Eucharist. And if we see it and discern it in our brother and sister, we will find Christ enthroned on his dread judgment seat, welcoming us fully into his love. Brothers and sisters, let us embrace the fullness of Christ's love. Let him judge us so that we may be free of all the things that hinder us from loving him and each other. Amen. Amen.